who are prone to run from our Father's house, prone to run from his authority, from his care. And we run into the far country in order to find ourselves, trying to fix our identity like dignity, empowerment, meaning, value, self-worth, security, significance. Last week, we started looking at a, a parable of Jesus about a father who had two gingerbread sons. And like us, these two sons ran from their father's house in order to find themselves, to fix their identity issues. We saw what happened to the younger son. Do you remember him? The younger son who journeyed into the far country to find himself? Did he find himself? He spent all he had on reckless living. In the far country, it did not fix his identity. Instead, it broke him. It broke him. And it opened his eyes to his own brokenness. He was humbled. He was brought to, to an end of himself. He was brought to a place of conviction over his sin. And so he journeyed back to his father's house to repent of his rebellion. And he had this whole plan worked out. He was going to tell his dad that I sinned against you, Father. I sinned against heaven. You don't have to treat me as a son. Just treat me as a slave. Treat me as a servant. But the father, when the son was still far off, saw him. And he felt compassion and mercy on his son. On that son who disrespected him. On that son who sped in his face. The father embraced him. Restored his identity. What did he say about his son? My son was dead, but now alive. He was lost, but now he's found. The father was excited to have him back. So much so he had a great celebration. But the parable doesn't end there. Now does it? The father had two gingerbread sons. Two sons who ran from his father's house now enters the older son and what he's going to do now that his brother's back. Let's go to God's word. Luke 15, beginning in verse 25. Now his older son was in the field and he came and drew near the house. He heard music and dancing and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he had received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I serve you. I have never disobeyed your command. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends but when this son of yours came, who devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him? And he said, son, you have always been with me. All that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For, this brother was for your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and he is found. Here's God's word. 
Let us pray. Father, as we come to your truth, we need your spirit to come and help us to understand. You know where we are. You know what we're dealing with. You know what we're hiding from the person sitting next to us. You know some of us are faking it. You know some of us are in despair. And so, Father, we all need a word from you today. We all need to hear from you today. We need you to, to minister to us, Lord, in the places where we truly live. We need to know that you're faithful. We need to know that, yes, you are still good. And so, Holy Spirit, come and preach God's word to us and to my own heart as well. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. On the surface, the older brother appeared to have no identity issues. He did not ask the father for his inheritance. He did not travel with his younger brother to the far country and live a reckless life. No, he stayed. He stayed. But don't be fooled by outward appearances. You see, this older brother was just as much of a gingerbread son as his younger brother. He had identity issues. A misplaced identity, a broken identity, and an identity that needs to be restored. So let's look at the older brother's misplaced identity. Verse 25 says, now his oldest son was in the field. I love how Jesus introduced the older brother here. He was in the field. That's important because it communicates something to us about this older brother. That he has similar but yet different issues than a younger son. Well, what do you mean by that, Alex? Here's what I mean. The older brother was disciplined, obedient, moral, fought the rules, a hard worker, a good work ethic. Everything in his life was systematic. It was decent and in order. He was the ideal child, right? Does that sound like somebody you know? As I said, on the surface, he appeared to have no issues. But on the outside, he just looked good. He looked good. He looked okay. But Jesus' words here reveal to us the older brother's misplaced identity and how he tried to fix it. Like his younger brother, he too went into a far country, and his far country was his father's field. And every day, he drank to his father's field. Every day, he went to his far country. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. There was nothing wrong with the father's field. The field was not the problem. The problem was how the, your older brother used it. He used it to solve his identity issues. He sought his identity in his work, in his performance, in his obedience, in his goodness, in his morality, in his accomplishments, in his own righteousness. Does that sound like someone you know? Does that sound like someone you know? The text says the older brother came and drew near the house. Notice how the two sons returned from their far countries. The younger son returned in what? Shame. He was broken. He felt guilty. He returned home seeing his great need. The older son, he returned from his far country feeling good about himself. I worked hard today. My accomplishments. No sense of need. He probably never felt any shame or guilt or brokenness. He probably thought 
his father was lucky to have a son like him who followed all the rules and who was obedient. Does that sound like someone you know? If he ever felt any type of shame, if he did feel any type of guilt, he probably brushed it off by saying, at least I'm not like my younger brother. At least I'm not like him. So I'm good because I'm better. Sounds like someone you know. The oldest son came near the house blind. Blind to his own identity issues. Blind to the fact that his identity was misplaced. Why? All because he was self-righteous. All because he was self-righteous. Boy Scouts of America give out what they call merit badges to their scouts in recognition for things they do. These merit badges can be a small piece of cloth or metal or, or plastic that is worn on the scout's uniform. If you know a Boy Scout, they have these little badges on them, right? And these merit badges signify status or they indicate achievement. The oldest son was a Boy Scout. He made his own merit badges that he wore proudly and self-righteously. My goodness, my obedience, my work ethic, my morality, my righteousness goes on and on and on. And he's covered in all these merit badges. Sounds like someone you know. What are your merit badges this morning that you wear proudly and self-righteously? What are those merit badges that you wear that makes you feel good to say, I'm better than that person because I got this merit badge? My goodness, my performance as a parent, as a spouse, my spiritual holiness. I volunteer with LVM. I go to the village church. I'm a hard worker. I give money to the church. I serve. Why don't these other people serve? What are they? We all have them, and our identity are misplaced in them. Just like this older son who was, get, who was, ready to get, who was, re, who was getting ready to get a wake-up call. He was blind by his own pride, and he's getting ready to get a wake-up call. When he finally arrived at his brother's house, his whole world was turned upside down. You got to understand that. His whole paradigm of life and how he approached the father was turned upside down. And those merit badges were finally exposed as just masks. Masks that hid his brokenness. That's all they were. They hid his brokenness. Luke, Luke 25, verse 15. I'm sorry, 15, verse 25. Now the oldest son was in the field, and when he came and drew near the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. So as the older son gets to the father's house, he hears something in his ear, a loud noise, music and dancing, a celebration taking place. And he was like, what? What does this mean? He, so he asked one of the servants what these things meant. 
And the Greek verb that is used there can be translated to inquire or to question. So he inquired for information. He wanted 411 from this servant. Like, what's the scoop? What's going on behind this party? I'm not, I haven't even made it from the field yet, and y'all having a party? What's going on? What's so awesome? What has happened that's so great that it make all y'all stop working and then throw a party? What happened? Your servant said, your brother has come. Your father, your brother who rebelled against, and rebelled against your father, the brother who disrespected your father, has come home. And not only that, your father killed a fat calf for him because he received him back safe and sound. Your father had mercy on him. Your father showed him grace. Your father forgave him. And you can picture what was going through this son's mind. What? Excuse me? Who came back? My father did what? Your brother has come. And your father killed the fattened calf for him. With those words, his life flashed before his eyes. His whole world came crashing down. And at that moment, his misplaced identity was finally broken. All those merit badges did very little for him at that moment. The text says, But the older son was angry and refused to go in. He was broken, but blind to it. Does that sound like someone you know? The older son was angered by the information he received from the servant. He became angry. His anger cup was filled to the top. And who was he mad with? Was he angry with the brother? Or was he mad with his gracious and merciful father? He was angry with his father. And this was not righteous anger, but sinful anger. And in, his, in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he says, anyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Anyone who insults his brother will be liable to counsel. And whoever said you fool will be liable to the hells of fire. This older son murdered his father and probably his brother in his heart, but he was blind to it because he felt justified because he was wrong by his daddy. One of my favorite cartoons I used to watch as a kid was The Roadrunner. And if you grew up watching it, then you know the character that brought the most excitement to, to the cartoon wasn't The Roadrunner, it was Riley the, Riley the Coyote. In each episode, he tried his hardest to catch that Roadrunner. <laughs> he had plans, he had strategies, he had an agenda, he, put, he did everything he could. He was determined he was going to catch that roadrunner. But does he ever catch him? Does he ever catch him? It didn't matter what kind of tool or strategy he came up with. It didn't work. And what was funny, in each episode, he thought the result was going to be different. The older brother, through his own merit badges, he used them to signify his status as his father's son. He was using those merit badges to catch his father's approval. That's why he was using them. He was using those merit badges to catch his father's acceptance, his father's affection, his father's love. He's just like that coyote. I just got to have the right badge in order for my father to love me. I got to catch it. But what he failed to realize is that it ain't good enough. 
those mad badgers were never going to catch it. You see, he went to the field working to earn his inheritance. You got to see that. He went there to earn his inheritance. He went there to earn the benefits of being his father's son. The younger son wanted the inheritance without any type of relationship. The older son, younger son took his father's favor for granted. The older son tried to earn his father's favor by working for his dad in the field. Sometimes in our life we do the same. We have merit badges that we have, that we wear. And our whole purpose is to try to catch God's favor and acceptance. Because I got this badge, then God's going to love me. Because I do this, God accepts me. Because I'm a good parent, God loves me. Because I'm a good citizen, God loves me. Because I do this and I do that, God loves me. Because of that, that badge. But it's like the coyote chasing the roadrunner. Ain't going to work. Ain't going to work. And I think the older son was finally realizing this reality. That those mad badges that he had had not earned his father's favor. So he's angry. Especially in light of what happened with his younger brother who came back. So he refused to go to his father. He refused to celebrate the return of his brother. So he stayed outside, still standing on his own righteousness with his eyebrows crossed and his arms folded with his lips poked out. Mad. Mad. Because he's been done wrong. So he thinks. He needs his identity restored. And guess what happened next? The father comes. The father comes. Verse 28. But he, re- he was angry and refused to go in. And his father came out and entreated him. Did the father leave his older son standing outside the party? No, he did not. The father came out and treated him. And listen, this father knew his sons, just like you know your kids. Right? He knew his sons. He knew his sons had issues. He knew it. He knew that bent. He knew one son was a rebel, and he knew one son was a goody two-shoes. He knew it, who loved to follow the rules. He knew they were gingerbread sons. So he was not surprised by that younger son's response, nor is he surprised that his brother's, his older son is outside, not coming into the party. So just like he came to the younger son and his brokenness, he came to the older son as well. It was an act of love by the father to leave the party, to come to his older son. I hope you see that. It was an act of love. He came and entreated him. That means the father was urgent. He was passionate about his son joining them in the party. He kept on beseeching him, pleading with him to come. And that Greek term that's been translated entreats can also mean comfort. He was comforting his older son as well as he tried to get him to come into the party. The older son wasn't buying it. What did he tell his father? He says, look, look, pay attention to what I'm getting ready to say. I'm getting ready to show you all my merit badges, Dad. I'm getting ready to show you all the things I've done for you these many years. 
What do you say? These many years I've served you. These many years I've served you. Pointing out to his father all his hard work, all the labor he'd done for years. And the force of that verb to serve is actually to serve as a slave. He's saying his dad, I'll serve you as a slave. I'll sacrifice for you. I'll rub my hands to the bone for you. And not only that, Lord, Dad, I've never disobeyed your command. I've always fought the rules. I always did what was right. I was good. I was obedient. I was faithful. I performed well. Look, I'm not a gingerbread son. I'm not like your other son. I'm better than him. I'm righteous. And yet you never gave me a young goat. Not even a, not a calf, a young goat to show your appreciation of me, that you love me. For years, he's been Randy Merritt badges, trying to earn his father's favor. And now he's realizing it didn't work. It didn't work. So now he feels unappreciated. So now he feels undervalued. He was good. And yet his oldest, his youngest brother got the fat and calf in a celebration. He felt this was unjust. He felt this was unfair. Unfair. Verse 30 says, But when this son of yours came, who devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fat and calf for him. Notice, he didn't even say my brother. He didn't even acknowledge him as his brother. His pride won't let him do it. Because now he thought he was better than him. Because he performed well. He looked good on the outside. His self-righteousness blinds him. He felt his brother deserved judgment. Not mercy. Not grace. Not forgiveness. But judgment. Judgment. The older brother's identity was broken. He was blind to it. And his far country was his performance and his goodness. He worked for the father. He didn't know him. All he did was labor for his daddy. He didn't know his dad. Because if he knew his dad, he knew his dad would be, he's a merciful dad. Not a judgmental dad. Not a dictator. The son, older son, he functioned in his father's house like a slave by choice. He lived like a slave in his father's house by choice. At times we do too. Your view of God impacts the way you live for God. If he's a dictator, then you're going to live as a slave for him. If he's authoritarian with no mercy, you're going to live as a slave for him. If he's a terminator dad, you're going to live in fear of him. Your view of God impacts the way you live for him. The oldest son saw his father as a taskmaster, so he lived as a slave. He saw his father as as one he he had to earn his approval, had to earn the favor, so he worked hard to get it. How are you trying to earn God's favor today? What are those merit badges that you wear? What are they? He needs his identity restored. The father tells him, son. Son. Let that penetrate you, your heart. Son, you have always been with me, and all that is mine 
is yours. After the son goes off on him, the father gently, lovingly, and graciously responds to him. My son, my daughter. In the eyes of the father, his son has always been his son. And he was treated as such in his father's house. In the final battle scene of the movie Saving Private Ryan, Captain Miller is fatally wounded. And then Private Ryan kneels down to the dying captain. And the captain says these words to Private Ryan, James, earn it. James, earn it. He's telling Private Ryan, don't let these deaths be in vain. Don't let these deaths be in vain. Don't let these sacrifices made for you on your behalf be in vain. So you go out and you earn the life that we have not made available to you. But that's not what this father told his son. He didn't tell him to go earn it. He didn't tell him to go earn it. He says, you have always been with me, which means who I am as your father has always been with you as well. You never had to earn my favor. You never had to earn my acceptance. You never had to earn my love, my attention, my approval, my affection. Those things have always been with you since the day you were born. Since the day you were born. They've always been with you. And he also told him, all that I have is yours. All that is mine is yours. Which means you never had to work for the benefits of being my son. I give them to you. Just enjoy them. This was what the father was communicating to his older son. He didn't have to earn it or anything. It was freely given to him because the father loved him. The moment I saw my kids, they had my love. They had my affection. They had my attention. Now, how much more God on his people? For Christ earned all the father's love for you by his death. And resurrection. Do you believe that? He earned it for you. So you wouldn't have to. He did. And he gives you. His merit badges to wear. You don't need yours. Because his are better. They're perfect. Those are the badges that the father wants. Not yours. All you have to do now. Is rest. And enjoy what Jesus has already earned for you. You have all the Father's love. Do you believe it? You have all the Father's attention. Do you believe it? You have all the Father's approval at this very moment. The moment you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, all the Father's love came rushing on you like a mighty wind. And it's never going to leave. But do you believe it? Because it's true. Jesus earned it for you. Just rest and enjoy it. In his book, Knowing God, J.I. Packer writes, you sum up the whole New Testament teaching in a single phrase. If you speak of it as a revelation of the fatherhood of the Holy Creator, in the same way you sum up the whole New Testament religion if you describe it as the knowledge of God as one's Holy Father. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out, how, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means 
he does not understand Christianity very well at all. For everything that Jesus taught, everything that makes the New Testament new and better than the old, everything that is distinctively Christian as opposed to merely Jewish is summed up in the knowledge of the fatherhood of God. Father is the Christian name for God. But do you believe it? Do you believe it? Let us pray. Father God, I thank you that you are a good father. That you are a father who gives good gifts to your people. And you are a father who understands your people. You know that we are gingerbread sons and daughters. That sometimes we're like the younger brother, sometimes we're like the older brother. We are. We struggle with both of them. And yet you know that we are but dust. And yet you forgive us. And so, Lord, we thank you for your patience. We thank you for your long suffering. That you don't treat us as our sin deserve, Lord. But, Lord, you show mercy. You have compassion. And, Lord, you come to us in our brokenness. You come to us, Lord, when we're trying to flee from you. You pursue us, Lord. And so I thank you, Father, for that mercy, for that compassion, for that love. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.